Hey there, future fans! This week, it's the first week of the new-ish version of the show. So get ready to experience the highest of highs and the rockest of bottoms. This is the week of August 21st, 2020, and this is episode 178 of Future Flicks with Billiam. my future friends welcome to the show uh, if, if you hear some background noise it's a hot day so we have the fan on and there's no way in hell i'm gonna sit in this hot ass room with no fan on so i apologize if it messes with the quality well you are you are seeing things right this is the second show in two weeks because if you remember from last week I said that my wife and I had talked about changing up how the show works just because though it was nice having a week off, the shows were starting to become so long to both prep for and record that it might be better and we're trying this out to do it every week and do fewer movies. And the reason it was getting longer to do was because in prep we had to watch more movies. Oh no, poor us. But guess what? When you work a full-time job, it's hard to work a bunch of new movies into the mix. Especially because we have this system where we trade off movies. Like, I pick one, she picks one, I pick one. So that way we don't have to both agree on something. Because one of my friends, she does that with her boyfriend. And it just seems that they're rarely both happy with the movie they choose. So it's easier to record in that way. But also, because these are films I've actually seen, I have more to say about them than in the old style of the show. Uh, if you are new to the show, welcome. I appreciate you being here. But the old style of the show was always about movies that were coming out in the future, thus future flicks. So the show would release on, I tried to do it Wednesday, but then it became Thursday and now it's Friday because timing, you know? But I would try to do it before Friday because I would be talking about the movies that were coming out that Friday and doing my judgments on them based only on the trailer. And sometimes I had a lot to say about a film, sometimes I had very little, but with movies I've actually seen, I've seen the whole thing, I do have a lot more to say. And even though it's only four films, it was only four films every two weeks, I had so much to say that even at times I would end up cutting stuff, because if I didn't, then maybe the show would start to run as long as a Martin Scorsese movie, and no one wants that. You guys like me, I appreciate it, at least I hope you like me, because you keep coming back. If you keep coming back and don't like me, Thank you for adding to my numbers, but also why? Did you just listen to me going, I f***ing hate this guy. He's terrible. Oh, his opinion's wrong. And you just have this awful little notebook where you write hate about me. No? Okay. Was it Tommy Boy with the, the one with Chris Farley and David Spade where, where Chris Farley's character was calling up all the people he'd ever been a dick to and bullied and apologizing? And there was that guy who was who said, oh, you know, thank you. I appreciate you apologizing. Then took his name off a kill list. Like a joke we can't really have this day and age with all the shootings and all. But that's what I was imagining just going, oh, I fucking hate this guy. He's wrong about the lighthouse. I love that film. 
Interestingly enough about that, on Facebook right now, well, not at this very moment, but today, I had seen that Critter from the Watch Your Mouth podcast and Someone Nerdy Radio had been talking about Midsummer on his Facebook page. So I chimed in and talked about, said, hey, Midsummer may not have been great, but it's better than The Lighthouse. And someone else commented that they actually liked The Lighthouse. And I was honest, like, honest to God, not even being a dick, I wanted to know why, what they liked about it. They still haven't responded, but it's interesting to get ideas about why people like something, even if you vehemently hate it. And who knows, maybe this person will say something about why they like it. And I'm like, oh, wow, it will change my whole perspective. Probably not, because I really hated that film. But who knows? It'll be interesting to know. Well, my future friends, this week we are going to have a shorter show because there, there isn't as many news stories since the last episode, uh, not as many trailers. Uh, in fact, without doing any more research, I think I only have two news stories and like two trailers. And then we have two movies. So yeah, you'll get a quicker show. But less of me, I'm sorry, less of me talking. But you'll get more of me next week. Yay, that's how it works. So let me remind you what the movies this week were, and then we're going to get into the news. So this week we were watching Vertigo, which you can watch for free with ads on Peacock, and The Peanut Butter Falcon, which you can watch for free, or maybe with ads, depending on your on your subscription, on Hulu. My wife just pointed out something to me. We, uh, If you haven't heard what's going on in California, we've had fire tornadoes. Yeah, it's terrible. 2020 is just awful. But it's making the sun really both foreboding and pretty that the light is really red. And it, it, it seems like we're in an episode of some post-apocalyptic TV show where they just have a red filter over the entire thing. Well, my future friends, without further ado, let us step into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. All right, and our first story from The Hollywood Reporter, it says big budget features from the Russo brothers and Jordan Peele are set to film in California. Who knows if the fire tornadoes will change their mind, but so far Netflix's Gray Man and the next Jordan Peele Universal movie are set to be two of the nine new films that will take advantage of California's new tax incentives. Because if you remember, back in the day, a lot of movies used to film in California. We have Hollywood after all, but then the taxes kept rising and rising, and so after a while, film companies started to go elsewhere like Georgia and Canada to film movies. Georgia and Canada were super happy to have them because they would just keep charging them normal-ass taxes and just get all this revenue. And it also employed local people. Of course, that is until Georgia started passing f***ed up laws. What is it? Was it abortion or gay gay rights or something? I forgot which one it was, but there's something f***ed up they passed over there that filmmakers started to go, nah, nah we'll, we'll go elsewhere. Well, California is starting to realize that, oops, maybe they f***ed up. Maybe upping taxes on these companies wasn't the best idea because they just left. So now they just lost out on 100% of the revenue they could have gotten from them. This total of nine films is set to generate a total of nearly $284 million in qualified in-state expenditures. They're expected to employ an estimated 1,340 crew members, 342 cast, and 100... 114,397 background actors and stand-ins over a total, a combined total of 374 filming days. And that's not even taking into account all of the post-production stuff. I'm not quite clear on what this tax incentive is, but 
hey, it's going to bring jobs back to California. Though this move, this tax incentive was really due to coronavirus, maybe they'll realize that they should keep things like this going to keep these filmmakers in California even after things go back to normal. Just maybe. This next story comes to us from Slash Film that says AMC has clarified their social distancing protocols because apparently earlier it seemed like they're just going to open with no protocols in place. And it seems like their protocols are just selling a small portion of their tickets and blocking out, what they say, every other row. And it seems like a maximum of 30% of tickets will be available for every show. So even though I personally think it's too early to start going back, and even though I love movies, even if Ghostbusters decided it was going to release this week, I would not go back. But even then, I'm glad that at least AMC is trying to take it a little seriously. So yay for that. And there is indeed more stories, my future friends. This from Variety. If you heard recently that the last blockbuster that's in Bend, Oregon, recently made the news because it began offering movie lovers the chance to spend the night on air mattresses or pull-out couches in their business overnight through the use of the of the uh, service Airbnb. Why did I bring that up? Well, it turns out there's a documentary coming out about the last blockbuster being released by 1091 Pictures, and it's uh, acquired the rights for a worldwide digital broadcast. And it's all about how this one blockbuster managed to stay afloat even after the fall of the main company. If you look at the last blockbuster on IMDb, it says it should have been released on July 25th, so no update yet as to that date. In our next story from Variety, producer and actor Ash Christian died at the age of 35. He was found dead in his sleep in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And yes, my future friends, there are more stories, despite the fact I said there are only two. I found some more. Cinema Blend has given us a list of movies that they know are coming to streaming. First, of course, is Mulan, set to come out on Disney Plus for the price of $29.99 on Friday, September 4th. Next, we have Bill and Ted Face the Music, which will get a limited theatrical run, but will come out on demand August 28th. We also have Antebellum, that movie starring Janelle Monet, which sounds a lot like the book Kindred by Octavia Butler. That is set for a VOD release on September 18th this year. Enola Holmes is coming out on Netflix. This is the Millie Bobby Brown movie where she plays the teenage sister of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, the one and only Ivan coming out on Disney Plus. It looks like for free coming out August 21st. It's a mix of live action and CGI as it involves talking animals. On Netflix, we're getting a movie called I'm Thinking of Ending Things, starring Jesse Plemons, Tony Collette, and David Thewlis. That comes out September 4th. Uh, Phineas and Ferb, the movie, Candace Against the Universe, comes out on August 28th on Disney+. The Trial of the Chicago 7 comes out October 16th on Netflix. Hopefully the show will be back by then, right? We, we can hope? Hmm. We'll see. Run is coming out on, on Hulu, which is that one where Sarah Paulson plays that mother who may or may not have kidnapped a disabled baby to then raise her and be crazy about. Did I give the date? Um, oh, it has yet to get a release date, but we know it's coming out on Hulu. The SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, coming out on CBS All Access early 2021. Disney Plus is getting a re reimagining of Black Beauty, starring Kate Winslet as the voice of the horse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why that was so funny. <laughs> and that's it for the uh, new announcements. And finally, in the news, we have a story from IGN. Apparently, 
Some fool in Hollywood was watching planes, trains, and automobiles and thought, you know what? I need to, I need to remake this. You know who I should get? Will Smith and Kevin Hart. I like Will Smith and Kevin Hart. I, I like them. But why remake planes, trains, and automobiles? There's that movie. There's nothing about that movie that says rewatch me. Rewatch. There's nothing about it that says remake me. I haven't watched it in a while. I'll be honest. But even if it was like super problematic and they're going to fix that in this adaptation, still, I don't think it's good enough or even big enough to warrant a remake. And you, my future friends, you know me. You know that I am not one of those people to automatically hate a remake or reboot. I will actually give them a shot. I will actually watch them. But this one, mm, I just don't know. Well, my future friends, let us step into our first break, since that is it for the news. Our first break, as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, then we'll be right back with the trailer trove, and we'll see if I can find more than two trailers. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, we're back. Welcome to everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. All right, my future friends, let us start with the first trailer for a movie called Falling coming out maybe this year, maybe December 4th. We'll see. But this is written by, directed by, and starring Viggo Mortensen, also stars Lance Hendrickson and Laura Linney. And it's about a conservative father who moves from his rural farm life to live with his gay son's family in Los Angeles. In this movie, we have Lance Henriksen playing the conservative father, Viggo Mortensen playing the gay son. So right off the bat, we can tell we're going to have some people angry that we have the role of a of a gay person being played by someone who's straight. Obviously, this is an issue now because we have so many people fighting for representation in Hollywood from the LGBTQ community and from non-white ethnic groups and i 100 percent support that and i look forward to hopefully one day we will get to a place where there is equal representation just so we can focus on the art of it so if you p pick a straight person to play someone gay that's fine if you pick if you switch the race of a character that's fine because it's about the art and what they can do for the role so if that if representation is a big issue for you maybe don't watch falling then unless Viggo mortensen came out and i was not aware of it other than that, check this out. It looks interesting. And Viggo Mortensen's, I believe, directorial debut. Let me see. Coming down here. Directing. Yep, his director, directorial and writing debut. And as always, Lance Henriksen, Laura Linney, both great. Next up, my future friends, is a trailer for a movie called Words on Bathroom Walls. This is set to come out. Wow, actually, it's supposed to come out this Friday. Oh, it's like the show's going back to the way it was for just a little bit. And it stars Charlie Plummer from Looking for Alaska, Molly Parker and Taylor Russell from Netflix's Lost in Space. So the woman that plays Maureen and the woman that plays Judy is in this. Also stars Andy Garcia, Walton Goggins. And it's about a young man 
who dreams of being a chef, and one day he starts seeing things. And he finds out he's a paranoid schizophrenic, and he winds up having to change schools because of an incident at his school. But at this new school, he meets someone, and they start to hit it off. So Words on the Bathroom Wall seems like it's one part drama because you have this young man dealing with his paranoid schizophrenia and his relationship with this young woman. And seeing as the poster is them kissing, I'm guessing that the romance part is going to be a little heavy in this one. I mean, heavy as in that it's a main part of the plot. And there's this one line I really liked from the trailer that brings up a really good point. And I've heard this point before, I just can't remember where, but it's about different ailments people go through or kids go through. And he basically says, look, if I had cancer, people would line up to give me stuff and to uh, make my wishes come true and help me. But with a mental disease like paranoid schizophrenia, they want nothing to do with him. I'm going to stop this talk here about this because otherwise I'll just get into the old habits of the old show. And we're not doing that show. We're doing a different one for now. So Words on Bathroom Wall looks good. Maybe coming out this week. Our next trailer is a movie we've already talked about in the news. This one is called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. It's the one that stars Jesse Plemons, Jesse Buckley, Tony Collette, David Thewlis, and I think that's it. At least from the big names. And the script was written by and it's directed by Charlie Kaufman, who you would know as the writer for movies like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, being John Malkovich, Synecdoche, I think that's how you say it, New York, Synecdoche. Basically, this guy writes weird shit, and this is based on a book by Ian Reed of the same name, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And according to the premise, it's an acclaimed novel, but of course, we can't really trust what a movie premise says about the book. Anyway, this is about a young woman... Uh, played by Jessie Buckley, who is full of misgivings, and she travels with her new boyfriend to his parents' secluded farm, but upon arriving, she comes to question everything she thought she knew about him and herself. This is labeled as a drama horror thriller, but I think it's just going to be a weird semi-art house film, not fully art house. It doesn't look like it's going to be that weird, like the lighthouse level weird, just the kind of weird you'd expect from a movie written or directed by Charlie Kaufman. If you've never seen it, being John Malkovich, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, good movies, but f***ing weird. And just piped up and said that she has heard about this book, that two of her favorite booktubers have actually talked about it and really liked it. So who knows, maybe one day I too will read this, but as for the movie, it comes out on Netflix on September 4th this year. All right, my future friends, next up, we have a movie coming out October 9th based on a children's book called The War with Grandpa. This is a movie starring a actually an amazing cast. The most notable name on the kid side of things is Oaks Fegley, who you would know if you've seen things like This Is Where I Leave You, uh, Wonderstruck, The Goldfinch. And as for the adults, it stars Robert De Niro, Uma Thurman, Christopher Walken, Jane Seymour, Cheech Marin, and Rob Riggle. Yes, this is a movie based on a kid's book, so it's a goofy family comedy with Robert De Niro, Uma Thurman, Christopher Walken. That, that's an amazing cast. I never thought I would see a cast like this in a movie like this. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Movies like this have to be made. 
you know, kids enjoy it. Families enjoy it. It's a time for, for families to come together, watch something that everyone can enjoy. But it's still weird to me watching people like Christopher Walken and Cheech Marin play the geriatric character. Because I still remember when Cheech Marin was relatively young. Well, okay, maybe like 40s or 50s. And he was in that show Nash Bridges from the 90s. Do you remember that? It was the one with Don Johnson. Anyway, this this looks really cute. It does. It looks like a, a basic movie of the sort. You watch If you watch a trailer, you know exactly what I mean. It looks predictable, but it looks funny. It looks like something that you could sit down with your family and watch. And it's something that'd be for everyone. There'll be jokes for everyone in it. And if you're at all worried about what your kids intake, what, the kind of stuff your kids watch, this should be fine. The rating is PG for rude humor, which probably means like fart jokes. And, you know, the occasional sex joke that would go way over a kid's head, but the adults would get also language and some thematic elements. And for a PG movie, language is probably like maybe saying shit once. Maybe that. All the comedy looks like looks pretty slapstick. Looks like Home Alone level stuff. And I, I don't see any reason not to check out this movie if it comes to streaming. I don't think I don't think this should be seen in theaters because COVID. But even if even if the world was perfect and there was no disease or virus going around, I would still say wait unless you had a you wanted to go out for a family night. Other than that, wait for this film. It looks entertaining. Well, my future friends, that is it for the trailers. Once again, if I have missed anything or if ever I miss a news story or a trailer that you think I should talk about, please let me know and I will talk about it in the next episode. But for now, let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds in a Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah! then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, everyone, we're back. We are back with the films. And the first film, the first of the two that we're going to talk about this week is called Vertigo. This is the movie from 1958, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, and it's based on a novel called, I think it's pronounced Dante Le Mur, in English called From Among the Dead, written by, um, well, two French people, I don't know how to say their names, Boileau and Narcejac or something, but you probably know what it's about, but if you don't, it's about a former police detective named named John, or Scotty to his friends, who has a fear of heights after, during a police chase, he almost falls off a roof and witnesses another police officer fall to his death. So now he has terrible vertigo. Well, one day he's asked by an old friend going, hey, Scotty, my wife has been acting weird. Please find out why. I know you're out of work, but I'll pay you to follow her around. So he follows her around and turns out that Madeline, the wife, thinks she's like the reincarnation or she's possessed by the ghost of uh, this old Spanish woman who died long time ago. So he follows her around until he sees her jump into the ocean of San Francisco Bay. So he jumps in after her, saves her, and they start to grow close. And then she just gets crazier from there. 
So this is labeled as a mystery romance thriller. And as Anne pointed out as we were watching it, this could be one of the only times that we can say it's still a worse love story than Twilight. It could be that just it was in the olden days and things were different back then. Like men could be as big of a jerk as you wanted and the women just went along with it. Because it's not like they had rights and minds of their own or something like that. But if you look at the story, he's kind of an asshole. Because he's perfectly fine until he kisses her. And that could be like a heat of the moment thing. Like, okay, dick move. Dick move, yes. But we can forgive you for that if you learned your... Oh, you didn't learn your lesson. Oh, you're in love with her. This woman that you've been following around. And oh yeah, there will be... As you should already know, <laughs> there will be spoilers in this. Warning, I'm going to spoil a movie from 1958. I know I'm such a bitch when I say it like that. But come on, if you still haven't seen it, what's your excuse? So after they go down to San Juan Batista and he tries to chase her up the, the bell tower and she falls to her death and he thinks he sees her or someone who looks a lot like her. So he forces his way into her room and makes her go out with him, which we're supposed to know or maybe assume that it really is her, that it was a con the whole time. But let's take that knowledge away for a moment. Let's pretend we don't really know that. That is a really creepy thing to do. And then they start going out and then he starts purposely trying to dress her like like Madeline. And she just goes along with it. She's like, OK, even though she protests a bit. But who cares what her protests are? She's just a woman, right? In 1958. And please note that was said with sarcasm. I don't want this with people trying to cancel me or something. But it I understand that it was supposed to be this this police or former police detective, this guy's descent into madness basically where he starts to go crazy because first he watches a, a fellow officer die and it gives him this vertigo then he watches this woman that he fell in love with die then he thinks he sees her again and then he starts to lose his shit. but nothing makes him a very sympathetic character at all the only person i felt bad for at all was midge was the woman that Johnny or Johnny Scotty was engaged to for a little bit and they're just really good friends. You can tell she kind of has a thing for him. She's the only one I really feel sorry for. That and the real Madeline, because she, obviously she was murdered by her husband. But Judy, the woman that was hired to look like her and set up this story so the police believe it was uh, it was suicide with Scotty being the fall guy or, you know, the witness for this suicide. Judy isn't a sympathetic character either. But even though this movie is about bad people and Scotty's kind of a creep and Madeline or Judy is not much better. OK, she's not less of a creep and more of just, you know, a criminal. But even though they're they're unlikable main characters, I still really love this film. It's my favorite Alfred Hitchcock film. And despite a few things like the obvious lack of people of color and the the fact that Scotty can be a forceful asshole and it's looked at as romantic versus creepy. Despite those, it, it kind of holds up well if you ignore those two things. So it falls somewhere between, in my opinion, at least as far as how well it holds up, it falls between Sound of Music and Casablanca, between those two and Grease. And I do feel bad harking on Grease so much, but it's such a good example of a film that doesn't hold up. I still love it. I will still rewatch it. I love the songs, but it's just a very problematic movie. Anne just chimed in and said, unlike Grease 2, yes, Grease 2 holds up a lot better. Fun fact, Grease 2 was the movie that Michelle Pfeiffer did right before she released or she was in Scarface. 
Yay. And Michelle Pfeiffer was in Hairspray. John Travolta was in Hairspray. Grease 1, Grease 2, meeting together. Yay for things like that. Oh, wow, that was a tangent. Okay, well, this movie holds up okay. And it could be a lot worse. It could be Gone with the Wind, which, to be honest, I'm going to say a very hipster thing here. I hated it before it was cool to hate it. All the rest of you are just on my bandwagon. You're welcome. Oh, I never talked about who was in Vertigo, did I? James Stewart and Kim Novak. Uh, Obviously, there are other people in it, but you really just need to know James Stewart and Kim Novak. James Stewart, who was in movies like Rear Window and Anatomy of a Murder, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, The Philadelphia Story, Harvey, if you remember the one with the imaginary rabbit, and of course, the Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life. And today I learned that Kim Novak is still alive. She is 87 years old. Good for her. She retired from acting in 1991. Oh, she was in Picnic. She played Madge in Picnic. Picnic with William Holden. Yay. Fun fact, that was the second play I was ever in in high school. Anyway, Jimmy Stewart, Kim Novak, even though their characters are kind of shitty people, it's still a good movie. It, it's, they're not so bad that you can't yeah, but it. You know, where you go, oh yeah, there's that, but it's still a good film. Like, there were a lot of really good shots with Scotty walking around and anything really tall he was behind. The shot really came from the bottom up. If you remember when we were talking about Casablanca, I said that it really didn't have that overacting that you saw a lot in these old films. This one kind of does that too, but there's still some very melodramatic scenes with very over-the-top acting in it. But for the most part, it's a kind of toned down. So let's wrap this up. Yes, this is my favorite Alfred Hitchcock film with North by Northwest being a close second and Psycho after that. But if you watch this movie, you can really see why Alfred Hitchcock still has a place as a as a famed and wonderful director. Over 50 years later, these movies are still good. I mean, they're not scary anymore. I don't think any of his films ever scared me, even when I was a kid. But I remember my dad telling me stories that the birds gave him nightmares. But even though the scariness of these movies don't hold up at all, they're still good films. So if you've never seen it, Vertigo is worth a watch as a study in older cinema and how a well-done film can hold up. And if you have seen it before, why not rewatch it? Vertigo gets a 9 out of 11. All right, my future friends, it is time for the next break, so let's pause and listen to a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. I'll be right back with the final movie. Just a reminder about the Watchmouth podcast. They're almost at their semester finale. So it's time to do the zombie game. I remind myself because I haven't done it yet. So you get on that. We'll get on this break and then we'll be right back. Thank you. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that a jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. 
All right, future friends, welcome back. And it is time to talk about the Peanut Butter Falcon. This is a movie from 2019 starring the likes of Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, Bruce Dern, Thomas Hayden Church, John Bernthal, John Hawks, and introducing Zach Gotzigan. And this movie is about a young man with Down syndrome who has no family, so he has to live in an old folks home, and he dreams of becoming a professional wrestler. He has this old videotape. Keep in mind, this takes place in modern times. He has this old videotape of a wrestler named the Saltwater Redneck, who promises that if he, if you come to his wrestling school, you can learn how to do all of the super cool moves. So Zach manages to escape. And on the way, he meets Tyler. Tyler, who is on the run from some no-good people, because Tyler himself is kind of a no-good person. Tyler was a poacher, just like the two guys he screwed over were. And Tyler gets caught poaching from poachers, basically. He will he'd steal their pots. I think this takes place in Louisiana. Let's see. Where does it take place? Da, 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 da. Georgia. Okay. Takes place in Georgia. And so he's stealing from these poachers, so they beat him up, and then he retaliates by setting all of their crab fishing equipment on fire, because that's a normal reaction. So as he's running away, he comes across Zack, who's almost butt naked. Why? Because Zack can't plan a proper escape, because maybe he's too excited about the idea of escaping that he doesn't actually pack clothes, because he has to grease himself up to get through these bars. Uh, and he does it with the help of Bruce Dern's character, Carl, who is his roommate in the old folks' home. So they start uh, they start hanging out, basically. That Shia LaBeouf goes, hey, I'm going down that way anyway. I will take you, but there are certain rules. And as after you watch his film, or if you've already watched it, you know that rule number one is party. Very important. But these two grow close as they as they basically hide from... People who are looking for Zack because he ran away and the criminals who are looking for Tyler. But they also have Eleanor looking for him or looking for them. Eleanor is the caseworker in charge of in charge of Zack. And so this really weird premise actually turns out to be a really warm and funny and enjoyable dramedy. And I think part of why Tyler and and Zack work so well together is the fact that the fact that Zach has Down syndrome doesn't really affect the fact that Tyler's like, yeah, sure, I'll take you to this wrestling school. And if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for their relationship, Tyler would be a very unlikable character. Because even though he's stealing from poachers, he's still not that great. We're supposed to feel sorry for him, I guess, because his brother, played by John Bernthal, is dead. We only see him in flashbacks. But that's not really enough to endear him to the to the audience, or at least to me. But seeing him with Zack and seeing them travel together, that really did endear Tyler to me. Because Zack's enthusiasm in this film, Zack's belief in his dream is infectious. And when they finally meet the saltwater redneck played by Thomas Hayden Church, he's this old washed up dude. And the only wrestling he does is backyard wrestling. I mean, nothing wrong with that, but it's far from any of the bigger promotions, of course. But even he gets saltwater redneck excited about wrestling again and it's as cheesy as it sounds it's a movie that shows you yes dreams can come true maybe not exactly like you expect it but you can find what you're looking for because guess what 
This wrestling school that Zack's looking for doesn't exist. That was like 20 years ago. And unless your name is The Undertaker, you eventually retire. I know that I know Taker says he's retired. That's what the last ride was about, but I do not believe it. He's just like Kiss. Kiss always says, oh, this is our final tour. And then they're like, oh, guess what? Guess who's back? But now they're on their final tour again, or when COVID's over, they're going to do their final performance. But we'll see. So we have Tyler, played by Shia LaBeouf, who is is kind of an unlikable character, but we learn to see him differently through Zack. We have Eleanor, who could be a bland and boring character, because let's be honest, if it wasn't for the fact that she did the Fifty Shades movies, you would be saying, who? Who is this person? But I actually liked her in this movie because for some of it, she showed emotion, which I didn't know she could do. I thought she was going to be like a, a Scarlett Johansson or a Jennifer Lawrence, but she actually shows some emotion in this, and it was good. Overall, I enjoyed this film, and I think if you watch it, you will too. It, it didn't really blow me away. I do think it's a movie I would rewatch, but I'm not going to rush to own it. I'm just happy with it living on Hulu for now. But it's a very interesting idea, and it has... I know it's a canned line, but it really does have a lot of heart. It, it does. There's a lot of great funny elements. There's a lot of good touching parts in it. It really... It really made me root for Zack. I wanted his dream to come true. I even wanted Eleanor and Tyler to get happy endings just because I knew it would make Zack happy. All this movie needed was him. I think everyone else you could have replaced. I love Bruce Stern. Don't get me wrong. I love Bruce Stern. I love Thomas Hayden Church. But the important part in of this movie was Zack. Everyone else could have been switched out. But as long as you had him, I think this movie would have done well. I think he could have carried lesser actors. And fun fact about this movie, the Rudderman Family Foundation, which I didn't know was a thing, honored this film with its seal of authentic representation for accurate descriptions of, or descriptions, depictions of people with disabilities. And I bet you it goes right up there with other movies like, um, oh, a scary movie with Doofy. That was probably very accurate. But before I wrap this up, the only part of the movie that really gave me pause was that the part near the end when he throws Sam. Oh, I forgot to mention the two wrestlers who, who were in it, Mick Foley and Jake Roberts. Mick Foley, you would know as Mick Foley or Mankind or Dude Love or Cactus Jack. And Jake Roberts, you would know as Jake the Snake Roberts. But Jake the Snake Roberts in this place, kind of an asshole, but... Zack picks him up and lifts him over his head and throws him out into the audience. And the only reason even it even gave me a little pause because it was because this whole movie was very realistic. Because, you know, it's every day someone with a disability escapes from an old folks home and runs away with an outlaw. No, what I mean is that it was really realistic in the sense that everything could happen. It was just this one part seemed dive just its pinky toe, just dip its pinky toe into magical realism that I actually thought it was all going to be in his head and he and he would have gotten knocked the f*** out by Jake Roberts. But it really happens, this 20-something guy who has never really worked out as far as I could tell or as far as I even hint at in the movie, lifts in slightly overweight and huge old man over his head and it never gets mentioned again. But guess what? That's not a big deal. That was the only part of the movie that really made me go, whoa, 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 whoa. So this newbie's going to beat this guy who's been wrestling for years. Isn't that going to be really difficult? 
No, actually, it's going to be super easy, barely an inconvenience. So look, if you want to watch an enjoyable film, then you watch this. It's not really for the whole family because there is there is quite a bit of profanity in it. And there's some smoking and drinking and violence in the way of backyard wrestling and the guy getting the crap beat out of him. No sex and nudity. There's just a butt crack. So maybe for your, your teenager and your family, if you want to watch it. But other than that, you yourself should check this out. It is a fun film that is 100% carried by Zach Gotzigan. 100% carried. The Peanut Butter Falcon gets an 8 out of 11. Well, my future fans, that is it for the movies. Let us take our final break as we hear word from our friends at the We're Doing Fine podcast with Robbie and Lisa. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back with the question of the week and the movies for next week. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. fine. All right, everyone, welcome back. So I do know that I've missed a couple trailers that have come out since I started recording and um, I think one or two news stories. So I will talk about those next week. Let's see if I know what trailers off the top of my head. Death on the Nile and Enola Holmes are two I missed. So we'll talk about those next week. But for now, let us talk about the question of the week. And if you remember, the question of the week was which movie from that was supposed to come out this year that was postponed. Are you most looking forward to? And for the first answer, we go to our good friend Brian Q, who says it hasn't been delayed yet, but we'll see if it gets released on time. Dune. Dennis Villanueva's Dune. It's been a long time since I've read it and probably past time to revisit. And I myself, I have actually never read Dune. I'm a terrible nerd and I want to read it before the movie comes out. And it has been a long time since I've watched the first movie or the made for TV movie. So hopefully I'll do all of that soon. But thank you for that. For Anne's answer, we get Halloween Kills that was set to come out this year. It was pushed to October 15th next year, but at least thank God it's being set in or being released in October. Because how many times have you heard me bitch about a horror movie coming out in like the middle of winter? And it's like, oh, well, you know, you could have just done it a little earlier or held it for a little longer and done it during the season for this shit. But little is known besides the cast. So it's the... Uh, Everyone who survived the first one, basically, is coming back. We have Anthony Michael Hall playing Tommy Doyle. Why they couldn't get Paul Rudd, I don't know. Maybe he's too busy. Uh, As for the plot, all it says is the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode continues in the next thrilling chapter of the Halloween series. I'm still bothered that they're not related anymore. But even though the fact that they retconned all the other movies with this with this uh, reboot, I still really like the reboot. I still think it was really, really well done. And I can't wait for this one. So I agree with her. But for my answer, you should know this already because it's probably the same answer that Critter has. Probably Snarf Chris too. Uh, But it's Ghostbusters Afterlife. It was set for July 10th this year, four days before my birthday. But now it's set for March 5th, 2021. 
This is the third movie in the Ghostbusters series since Ghostbusters Answer the Call, with air quotes after it, is in the Ghostbusters universe, but it's not part of the trilogy. Even though Jason and Ivan Reitman said they would like to work with the women again, they just want a better script. But this is the one that that has most of the cast returning, except for, of course, Held Ramis, who passed away, and Rick Moranis, who said that he passed because it just seemed like he just wasn't interested in it. But Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts all returning. Sigourney Weaver. Shit, how can I almost forget Sigourney Weaver? But that is coming out, like I said, March 5th. So it is time for the next question of the week. And I'm going to do a little odd one based on Peanut Butter Falcon. So I remember when I was a kid, Jake the Snake Roberts was one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, I I liked a lot of them. I loved Macho Man. I loved Ultimate Warrior. Um, Back before I knew he was a huge creep, I liked Hulk Hogan, uh, Ric Flair. They were all wonderful. Uh, Ricky Steamboat. But I remember loving Jake the Snake Roberts. So here's just a question for you. Think back to your childhood. Who was your favorite sports star? It could be if you liked wrestling, who was your favorite wrestler? If not, your favorite sports star. So if a movie was made today that featured them, who would it be? So my future friends, let's talk about next week and what the movies are going to be. So we're going to revisit Hulu because we're going to talk about Hearts Beat Loud. Hearts Beat Loud is the movie from 2018 starring Nick Offerman, Kiersey Clemens, Blythe Danner, Tony Collette, Sasha Lane, Ted Danson. Fantastic cast. Uh, You can find that on Hulu. And we're also going to talk about a family movie, a kid's movie called Magic Camp. Magic Camp came out this year, just last week, actually. And it stars Adam Devine, Jillian Jacobs, and Jeffrey Tambor, and a bunch of kids. I wanted to see this based on the trailer, and I knew it was going to be a kid's film, but it was it was way more of a kid's film than I thought it was going to be. But of course, we'll talk more about it during the show. So um, before you go into it, if, if you do want to watch it on Disney+, Plus, called Magic Camp, Think of School of Rock, but more for kids, less for adults. That's the kind of level you should go into, uh, level of thinking. So once again, those movies are Hearts Beat Loud on Hulu and Magic Camp on Disney+. Well, my future friends, that is it for episode 178. I thank you very much for staying with me during all this COVID weirdness. I hope at least you found one movie you've liked through all of this. Because look, I always say, hey, play along at home. I know you're not playing along at home. I I am not holding my breath for that, but hopefully you found at least one movie you like. But until next week, let me wrap this up with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also share the podcast, share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. 
And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>